What's up, guys? I'm your host, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today as we continue our journey deeper into the Shadowlands. for 38 years. Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. A windstorm came and their boat began to fill with water and sink. They awoke Jesus shouting, Master, Master, we're perishing. But John the Baptist was put in prison. He sent two friends to Jesus asking, are you really the coming one? Or are we looking for another? Yet in all these things there is purpose. What the enemy meant for evil, God intended for good that the proof of our faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When Jesus saw him lying there, he said, do you want to be healed? This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. He arose and rebuked the wind and raging water and they ceased. And Jesus asked them, where is your faith? Life is merely a world of shadows, a broken replica of the true home in which our hearts long to be. If you look close enough, you'll catch glimpses of it all around you, in the beauty and in the joy. And this, this is our hope. So we press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ. We place our hope in His promise that He's with us even now, strengthening us, teaching us, loving us through the storm. So go, little Christian, and sin no more. You've been given a higher calling. Rise up and follow him. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is it if a man gains the world but loses his soul? This life here is but a vapor of mere shadows. The true life and true hope lie in the next. So hang on, fellow soldier, and let's press in together. Where are we aiming? Heaven. Where must we walk first? The Shadowlands. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, today we are going to dive in to kind of like an ongoing series that I plan to do. This is not going to be um, a straight up series where it's like every week in a row, um, but this is going to just be something that I kind of continue through time. I feel like there's just going to be a lot of content to pull for this, and um, I think it really is kind of just a like a center theme for a lot of what I'll be sharing on this podcast. So I just, I just kind of wanted to not make it like a three-part series or whatever, but just kind of just continue it as time goes on, see where we get with it. So today is part one <laughs> of A Walk with Job. And today we're going to be talking about when God is silent. <laughs> when God is silent. I believe that whether or not you've already faced really difficult times in your life, like if you've already experienced really hard things or maybe maybe you haven't really experienced very hard things yet, um, I think it's really important regardless to 
prepare yourself for those times because especially especially if you haven't gone through really difficult things yet you need to know that you will <laughs> and that as much as you hope they don't come they will they will come and life is so full of them and it's not something I'm happy to say but it's just true it's just the way it is and um I believe that it's really, really important to prepare ourselves with studying and prayer and, and reading and strengthening our hearts so that when those hard things come, we're prepared and we have roots that are settled down rich into the soil of our faith in, in God, in scripture, and that when those times come, we'll be firm and rooted and we'll be able to remember all that we've learned and studied and remember how God has acted and what he's done in the past and pull up that scripture to answer the lies with truth and and be prepared not that the trial will be easy but that we'll be more prepared for it than if we hadn't done anything at all and so the more I go through in life the more I'm inclined to think that I just need to keep studying and, and try to prepare myself more really um because life is so, so hard. And man, so today we're really going to be focusing on, like I said, when God is silent. Oh, gosh, I have so many things to share on this. And I have to admit, this episode was kind of hard to write. There's, I oh, gosh, like, I just feel like I could go so many directions with it. But I guess, firstly, I just got to share with you some of my struggle of sitting in silence <laughs> with God after losing my best friend, Christina. Um, silence, first of all, when you're, sitting in, when you're sitting in prayer and you're sitting in scriptures and you're waiting on God and it feels like every day after day after day, you're just, you're just not hearing anything and is he even speaking? Is he, is he answering you? Like, when is he, how is he answering you? How does he answer you? Where is he? Where is he, like, in all of this? Especially in these really, really hard times. And we get so burnt out and so frustrated and we're throwing out these questions and yet there's nothing. <laughs> and that's where I was for... A really really long difficult difficult time after losing Christina like probably almost the first year not even a full year but probably the first like I want to say like nine or ten months um, I was really always just reminding myself of what I knew I mean you have to understand like the way that I lost Christina was very sudden and very traumatic and there was a lot of shock involved um also not only that but it was on the media and everywhere I looked at every turn and there's a lot of numbing that came out of that because it was just everywhere and I was already used to seeing her everywhere because you know she was famous and seeing her in the news was like like seeing her name in the news or online and articles was like normal and then seeing it all all over plastered all over the place because of what had happened like 
like it just I didn't feel anything like it was it was so so shocking like there was just so much numbness that was there that first year and to be honest I I still I still really struggle with that um throughout the year feeling numb but there was just so much shock that you're dealing with when you're dealing with that kind of trauma and grief that I feel like I mean it's it's a it's a really great thing I think that you have shock because I think it's a way that God protects us from feeling everything all at once because if we really felt the weight of everything all at once I think it would kill us and it really almost has killed me several times and I think after around I gosh you know it hadn't been a year but around April May uh of 2017 it was approaching a year um I started to notice this this shift in my heart and this shift in my just my spirit like I was getting really really angry and I just felt this pent up anger boiling up inside of me and ripping me apart from the inside out um I don't even know it felt like I was like my insides were burning like it's hard to explain I just felt this thing that I couldn't control and these feelings that I had never felt before just like starting to starting to just eat me <laughs> alive and I was afraid of it I was really afraid of it because I've really never dealt with anger at God before in my life I've been through a lot of difficult things <laughs> I could go into them, but I don't know if it'd be worth it. Um, I've been through so, so many things. And somehow, God has just kept me and preserved me by His grace. And I've always really just recognized that it was never Him harming me. It was like the actions of the people around me that were harming me. And and different things that had gone on in my experiences that were harming me, that that were causing these problems, That just that it wasn't Him. I, I didn't ever attach it to Him which I'm really thankful for. Um, and I think because of that perspective, it always, it, like, I just never experienced that anger at God. But I started to feel that developing, and I just started feeling like, why? And why? And why? And so many different why questions. Why did this happen? Just throwing out so, so many questions, being so angry. And you know what? I think I realized that there was all this unaddressed anger from all these other things in my life that I had been through that was coming up with it. Like it was the last thing that just broke me. And I started feeling so much anger and asking God, you know, why did you ever let me go through this in the past and this? And I've prayed about this for years and you've never answered it. And on top of all of it, I just lost my my closest friend, the, the person that I shared everything with. We shared everything. <laughs> like the one person I was really doing life with that like was my soul sister, <laughs> like who I depended on. I depended on her and he took her away. And it just like, it just demolished me. And and I started throwing out all these questions and just being so overcome by all of this. And first of all, I, I just got to interject in myself that before I continue that like 
it's totally normal. It's totally normal. If you're there and you're grieving, it's totally normal. It's okay. Don't be mad at yourself for feeling these things. It's, it's okay that you're feeling it. It's normal. It's, it's right. I mean, it's right. We should be angry at the injustice we see around us. When things are, when things go wrong, like it's okay. But I think, I think we need to, I think we need to be okay with, with showing God our anger. We need to be okay with showing God ourselves because I think I have a tendency to, to hide, you know, out of, out of fear maybe, you know, just to hide those deep parts of me from God, like as if he can't see them. (laughs) What? And and, you know what? I guess, I don't know, but it, it just boiled up and it has had started overflowing and I was just so, so distraught. And I started spiraling emotionally, just being so depressed and really struggling, really feeling no purpose at all. Like there was no meaning in anything. I've never felt that that kind of overwhelming. You know, I thought I had in the past, but this was really unlike any other thing I, I'd ever felt. And all of this to say, I was in this dark tunnel and there was no light. There was no light for a very long way. I didn't see any way out of it. I was throwing all these questions at God. I was really frustrated and I, and I was half trying. I would try and then I would stop and I would spend time with him and pray but never seemed to have any answers. And, you know, I have a degree in theology. I have so many theological answers that I understand. I understand why there's evil in the world. I understand that it was not God who did this to my friend, but it was the the act of an evil human being, of their free choice, free will. And yet, just the, the pain, the pain that came with it was overwhelming. And so I sat in silence for months. I felt like, where is God? Where is God in all of this? And I would seek him and I would pray and I would struggle and I'd be angry and bitter and frustrated and broken and afraid of myself for feeling all of this because I had never felt it before. And really, I just want to honor God and I just want to do what's right and I just want to please him. So having these kinds of feelings toward him were scaring me and I knew that I didn't want to sit there. I knew that I had to work through them if I wanted my relationship with him to be real. I had to walk through them in order to continue. And so began the hardest journey of my life, (laughs) frankly. And, you know, I'm still kind of on it. I'm still kind of on that journey. I'm, I'm definitely in a much better place now. I've worked through a lot of things. But like God doesn't always give us all the answers and that's when you get to a place where you have to just accept what he's given you. So I have to talk about silence, 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 sitting in silence in prayer, sitting in silence in the word. What does silence mean? Silence can mean several different things. So one thing that silence could mean if you're experiencing silence spiritually, silence, I mean, it could mean, did God already speak to you? But maybe you're insisting on a different answer. 
sometimes when we are praying about something and asking God about something and maybe he answers us and shows us or maybe like we're too focused on just praying about what we want and not listening for what he has that we miss it or we do hear it and we're like no 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 no, that's not it because it's not what I want (laughs) or it's not what I expect so one reason could be did he already answer you and maybe you're just walking around it or another reason could be are you asking the wrong question oh man oh man oh man oh man (laughs) sometimes we just ask the wrong question and i'm gonna share about that today because i have some serious thoughts on this from my own experience to share And firstly, I just have to ask you, have you ever been in that place, that dark, vast, hollow, empty place where it feels like all you hear are your own echoes and all you see is frustration or disaster around you as like one thing in your life after the next comes crashing down, things are falling apart. That darkness, that darkness that I experienced, it's all-encompassing. It's extremely lonely. Honestly, it's hopeless. If anyone can say they've walked that path, it's Job. Job, if you don't know, was a man who was righteous. He prayed faithfully. He loved God. He lived justly. He loved mercy. And he walked humbly. Job was blameless in the eyes of God. Now you might think like, okay, hold up. Who, who is blameless? Who is perfect? Like no one's perfect, right? Um, to that I would say, uh, yes, obviously you're correct. <laughs> no one's perfect. Job was indeed a sinner, but he was blameless in the eyes of God because God forgave him and counted him righteous because Job had a repentant heart. Job knew the Lord personally. Job trusted the Lord. Job was aware of his own weakness and was aware of his own sin. Job understood that he had nothing apart from Yahweh. And he knew that it was only through Yahweh's grace, not anything he could do, that he could live in right relationship with him. So Job trusted this, he loved God, and he lived humbly, and he walked in that daily The book of Job in the Old Testament says that he made sacrifices daily, not only for himself, but also for all of his children, just in case any of them had sinned that day. Like this guy. (laughs) Job really understood his place in the grand scheme of things and honored and revered God and loved him and walked in that. And in all of these things, we see a man who by all eyes had done nothing wrong right? He was blameless, undeserving of wrongdoing, and on the contrary, like, could have even deserved some sort of medal of recognition, right? Because he was just faithful, because of his faithfulness to God. And instead, we see this guy get hit with blow after blow after blow. Have you ever read the book of Job? Because if not, (laughs) you are in for a gut-wrenching story I highly suggest you read it. What he went through, man, 
I can, I can, I can relate to in a small way, (laughs) a small way. I personally, having lost a handful of loved ones, friends, very close friends, relatives, have dealt with a lot of physical (laughs) hardships and sickness. And I can only begin to compare in a small way my suffering with that of Job's. Although, I have to say, I don't think it's right to compare suffering um, as each of us bears our own burdens that bring their own difficulties with them. But Job lost all of his children, right? He had many children. He lost all of them. He lost all of his belongings, his wealth, his children's homes, everything. Everything was lost all in one day. Talk about wave upon wave and shock upon shock. And then, not only that, of course, because it can never end, in the midst of his grief, he became physically so ill with boils all over his skin everywhere and was reduced to weep and mourn in sackcloth and ashes with only his wife left to comfort him, who, if you know the story, was in turn no comfort at all whatsoever. She actually scoffed at him and told him to curse God and die. What? (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, your spouse, just like, you just experienced all this and you're grieving and and shock and in trauma and, and laying on the ground in pain and and your spouse, who you should be able to lean on in times of trouble, just says, you know, curse God and die. But in response to that, Job said to her, shall we not receive the bad from the Lord along with the good? Shall we only receive the good and not the bad? Man, let that sink in for a second. Shall we only receive the good from the Lord and not the bad? This quote, like, it always hits me like a ton of bricks. It's so heavy, 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 heavy. Job, gosh, why'd you say this, man? Because it's true and it hurts me. It hurts me. I went through that really dark, dark time just being overwhelmed with darkness. I can't describe it other in another way. Just having to walk through that tunnel, feeling like I was just suffocating on all sides. Asking God why all the time, just why did I have to experience this? Why did she have to experience this? Knowing theologically, knowing theologically answers about evil in the world, but but still, it's just not making sense, not being content with the answers that I know and accepting, really having to come to the place where I accept that I will just never truly know until heaven. Because God is sovereign and he allows the temporary pain in our lives for a reason. Like we talked about last week, our pain is never without purpose right? And God will always have something beautiful to bloom out of the hurt if we allow it. It doesn't mean that the hurt itself is good or that the evil being done is somehow good. I have to say that. No, it does not make the evil that's done good. That's not what I'm saying. 
God does not take joy in evil or in the schemes of the wicked. God did not delight in Job's suffering. He hurt with him. But he knew that Job's faith was strong enough to take it. And that Job would come out stronger and and have a much deeper, richer, closer understanding and relationship with God because of it. This deeper, more intimate relationship that could only have been gained by suffering. It's something I don't fully understand because it doesn't answer all my questions. But there is beauty there. There's so much beauty there. And I think eventually we just have to get to a place where we accept that there is evil in this world, that it's not the flesh and blood that we fight against. It's not man. It's not your neighbor. It's not these these evil people. It's not ISIS. It's not these crazy people shooting in schools. It's not these humans that we're fighting against, but it's demons and principalities and powers that are fighting against God's plan. But God's plan is going to win, and they know it. And they're just trying to take people down with them. Eventually, we have to learn to be at peace with our lives, not being at peace. Ooh. (laughs) Mm, Guys, so many things to say. Eventually, we have to learn to be at peace with our lives, not being at peace. I don't know how to describe this. There's so many times in my life where I've had weird peace where like I shouldn't feel peace but I somehow did and the Bible talks about that peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus the Bible does talk about that God does give us peace but the things at the same time in our lives are crazy and they're not peace giving and so it's this weird combination and influx maybe we we go between sometimes I struggle with just learning to be at peace with The fact that things are not perfect right now, that things are not always okay. And I don't mean that we have to accept it as in become complacent about it or becoming resigned and depressed, although I've totally been there, but it should compel us that much more to live for Jesus and to share Jesus with those around us, knowing that this is not all there is. Praise God. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And that's our responsibility as Christians, is to share the truth in love with the entire world. I'm trying to explain an idea that's been a personal lesson in my life of recent years. And that's being okay with unmet expectations. Oh, trusting God, asking Him for big things in faith, expecting great things from Him. But not expecting big things from the world or the people around us who always seem to quickly let us down, if that makes sense. Anyway, reading through this long and frankly heartbreaking story of Job, we see many, many, many lessons that we can glean from. And today I just want to dip into just one of them, which is waiting and being faithful in the silence. Because for a long, long, long time, Job was crying out to God, 
despairing of his life. You read it chapter after chapter after chapter, asking God all sorts of questions, pitying himself in his condition, yelling at God and being frustrated, saying, haven't I been faithful? I've not sinned that this would be my judgment. And God was silent. For chapters you go through and read his friends, my gosh, his friends, blabbing on and on and on. I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps because I like painfully relate to this. <laughs> and oh, I just get what he must have been feeling at <laughs> those times. His friends were honestly like kind of crazy and sadly just no help to him. They actually had a lot more to say about Job's circumstances than God even had to say for most of the book. They go on and on and on picking him apart, saying why these horrible circumstances must have fallen on him, blaming him for all sorts of things he was not guilty of and overall not being good friends at all in the midst of this insanely traumatic loss that he just faced. And we can form several other episodes out of that another day, and we will. <laughs> but gosh, you know, and yet through all of that, there he was in silence. You know, his friends are talking on and on and on, and Job's not even talking. Most of the time, he's just silent, waiting. <sighs> through some many storms, many, many storms in my own life, Specifically, yeah, the most recent massive one that's still affecting me greatly, losing Christina, uh, my best friend, dying. I've sat, like I said, in those echoes of silence day after day. I have been in those dark hollows, unable to even utter any words because none even come to mind. The pain is just too deep. There's no words to even pray. Do you relate to that? I've been swept up in bouts of anger where all I just wanted to do was punch something and scream at the top of my lungs, only to end up in tears of exhaustion, unable to move on the floor. I've been overcome with bitter weeping in the middle of the night, fits that seize my whole body and leave me unable to stand or move at all. Fits that leave me with nosebleeds and asthma and panic attacks. I have thrown these same questions at God and received only silence. I have sat in those dark places and just felt, felt that pain searing through my being with nothing but moans for response. And then, and then I've risen up with questions of, of why my spirit shouting, is this my punishment? I've been faithful. You know, I just stepped out in faith. I was about to do something big in my life for God. And then this happened. Th this, this totally wrecked me for a time for my trusting God. And is this how I'm repaid? Is, you know, me throwing these out. Do I deserve this? Did Gosh, did she deserve this? This, But you know, this kind of senseless tragedy that we face, that is faced like so often anymore in our country, there's no meaning or understanding to be gained from it. It really truly is the purest form of evil. No, she did not deserve that. No, I do not deserve that. Evil comes from man's free will and choice to do evil. 
not from God. But gosh, that whole topic is a different episode. (laughs) And yet, in all of this, here was Job, one of the most upstanding, godly men in his day, devastated by such drastic calamity. And why do we see that God allowed it? Because, because of Job's faith, because he was righteous and faithful, because God was proud of Job. God loved Job. He was so proud of how solid Job was that he knew Job wouldn't forsake him no matter what happened. So God allowed this testing in Job's life. Job wrestled with this for sure. We're given a glimpse into the back door though, so to speak, because we see God's conversation with Satan and like Job didn't know any of this. Job didn't know what was going on up there. Job Job didn't know any of this backstory that we get as, as 2019 readers of the Bible. And so isn't that a great question? I wish I had this back door on my own life. <laughs> How much greater and easier would life be? I don't know. I don't know. It would be nice. <laughs> but Job threw out all sorts of questions at God. All sorts of questions that rose in my heart too. What total heartbreak and just honestly confusion. If you've faced devastation at any great level, you know the emotional confusion that comes with that. It's overwhelming. This man was throwing out all his questions at God like darts and his friends were rattling off all sorts of nonsense, saying that it was punishment for Job, even though Job knew it wasn't. But where was God's voice? For much of the book, for much of the book, he heard radio silence. Oh, this poor guy. My heart really, really breaks with him. I've sat in that radio silence too. I think, though, that we will stay there as long as we continue to ask the wrong questions. Like, why? I know a lot about theology. I know a lot about biblical studies. I could discuss with you all about evil and why it is here and how it has come, etc., etc. I may even recognize some lessons in my life that I've learned out of trials in my life, right? But I cannot tell you exactly why God has allowed these specific things to happen to me and my loved ones. Or those specific things to happen to you. In Matthew 10, Jesus had just been telling the disciples about how they are about to face serious persecution. And if you flip there right now, or if you look back at it later, he's basically prophesying um, about the fact that after he dies, them, the early church, are going to face some very, very, very seriously difficult things. And so he's telling them this, which we all know came to be through reading the book of Acts and through reading other records of antiquity from church history. They faced, oh my goodness, serious persecution in the church. All the disciples, except John, were murdered in brutal ways, just as many of the prophets before them were. So Jesus is telling them all this about how they will face persecution 
And then he goes on in the next section to encourage them not to fear because he shares about sparrows in, um, in Matthew 10, verse 29 to 31. I'll read it for you. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So hang on, though. There's a lingering question in the air. Do you sense it? Let me read that again. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered, etc. Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But why? Why does the sparrow have to fall? Why? Why do they have to face tribulation? There's no answer for that. Nobody wants to face, nobody wants to face tribulation. But you know what Jesus says? He doesn't answer. There's no answer there. <laughs> he doesn't say, no, this is why. He just says, this won't happen without me knowing, without me, without me being there. He just tells us that when we do, he will be with us. He will be with us. I think when we perpetually get stuck in the place of asking God why, it robs us from the truth that God has for us in that season. Let me just repeat that. <laughs> when we perpetually get stuck in a place of asking God why, it robs us from the truth that God has for us in that season. And then if we look in Job, and we look at God's response to Job, in Job chapter 38 through chapters 41, I'm not going to read all that. That's several chapters there for you. Basically, Job's been, gosh, 37 whole chapters that are long sitting here in ashes. And I mean, this is like probably extended through days. He's sitting here weeping in pain. His friends are here. Like we already talked about, they're, they're ridiculing him. They're making up all these sorts of ideas, pulling out all these reasons why, oh, now this is why you suffer and this is why you suffer and it's because you've done this and because you're, there's secret sin in your life and blah, 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 and accusing him and not supporting him and honestly just nonstop talking, which I have to say as a grieving person is really unhelpful. <laughs> and God's response in 38, after Job cries out and starts asking God all these big questions, and then the Lord answered Job with multiple chapters of questions. You gotta love God. But his questions, his questions put Job in his place in a loving but, but firm way. Job starts throwing out all these, all these questions, kind of losing a grip and, and just really, I honestly understand him. He's devastated. And it says in chapter 38, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that, dark, that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? 
Dress for action like a man and I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out of the, from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? I, guys, he's going on and on. God, this is all God speaking to Job, saying, you know, who did this? Who created the world? Who controls this? Who makes these things happen in the world? Were you there? Surely you know. And all this great knowledge, and all this great knowledge that you have to question your creator. It's funny. In Isaiah, I believe it is. It's not funny. I mean, it's like serious and it hurts. I get it. But God is, is talking about the illustration of us um, as the clay and he is the potter and it's like it's like the pot or the mug you know asking God like why didn't you fix why didn't you make my handle this way why didn't you make me like this the the the, the jar asking the the potter you know and he's like oh so you know better now so you know all these great things so you're the one with vast understanding and he's he's putting Job and he's putting Job's friends in their place these these small 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 people in the grand scheme of things that god this great all-powerful all in control sovereign all understanding god he he's so so great and vast beyond them and yet he loves them and yet he has made covenant with them and he has covenant relationship with job and he's reminding he's reminding them of this relationship and he goes on for several chapters like this, asking Job and his friends questions. Sometimes our trials are to chasten us, right? We looked at that last week. Sometimes they're simply the outcome of our actions, that we reap what we sow. Other times, other times they're just completely out of nowhere, unrelated to any choice we've made. But... As Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 50-20, many, many years after his brothers had sold him into slavery, they end up coming before him, who he had ended up going to Egypt, working his way up in rank from a servant up to being like the second in command in Egypt, right? And now they come there because there's famine in the land and they need food, and they wind up at his feet. And he has power over them. These these brothers, these so-called brothers of his who threw him in a pit and who sold him into slavery, they end up in need at his feet. And when they realize that it's him, they, they're terrified. They're like, oh my gosh, I he's going to kill us. What we did to him. And Joseph, when he sees, it says when he sees their reaction, he wept bitterly. Because Joseph had this great, large, vast, wide perspective that, that God gave him. That what they intended for evil, God intended for good. Because it was in that position that he was able to save and help so many people through that famine. And what he says to them when he looks at them is just that. 
what you intended for evil against me, God intended for good. We see just the same thing in our own trials, how God weaves these threads of gold into the black, misshapen weavings of our lives, right? He's filled trials with purpose somehow, and he, la- he allows us to grow, not even despite them, but because of them, because of them. He takes man's stupid choices, and he just like, does crazy things through them he just he works through them he's willing he he wants to make beautiful things grow out of death i know what it feels like to hear radio silence when you're throwing that brokenness at god i know the battle is so so hard and so utterly overwhelming at times but you cannot give up seeking him you must keep seeking him what does that mean exactly well it means don't just throw these questions around in the air and then do nothing about it and call it radio silence because the fact is that god has already spoken to us (laughs) it's called his word the bible throw these questions at him yes be so real so honest he can take it please be honest be open be yourself throw it at him he can take it (laughs) and then open up the scriptures and press in press in faithfully and watch as he comes alongside you and begins to weave and to teach you and to show you more of himself You need to press into community. I cannot emphasize it enough. You need to be surrounded by godly community. I also know what loneliness feels like to a pretty extreme degree. And I understand that sometimes good godly company is like not really the easiest to find. So get plugged into a solid church and go. Go to the service. Ask for prayer ask the pastor's questions, be honest, be open, be vulnerable, get involved, go to Bible studies. That's what it looks like to seek God. It's intentional. It takes work. It's not about what you're feeling. It's not about waking up in the morning and feeling like reading the Bible or feeling like, you know, I'm just really going to pray today so hard. Like prayer is work. I'm telling you, it's not easy. Sitting in silence and prayer and waiting on God is not easy. Being faithful is not always easy. You'll go through seasons where you feel it and you'll go through seasons where you don't. But it's important to be faithful anyway. Like I'm guilty. I'm guilty of I'm guilty of being weak in that. I'm guilty of throwing those questions out and then not doing anything about them and then wrestling with them and then letting them sit on ice and then wrestle with them some more. I'm totally guilty of that. It's easy, guys. It's easy. And you know what? If you want an easy cop-out, don't, don't live the Christian life. You know? Because living, living not the Christian life is way easier. But you know what? It's so much less rewarding. And not only is it less rewarding, but you miss out on your true purpose you miss out on who you were made to be. 
and it's real and it hurts and it takes work and that's what makes it great. So press into those scriptures, press into prayer, press into community. That's what it looks like to seek God. You know, you claim you want the answers, but I have to ask you, do you? Do you really? Because you got to be prepared for the answer to not exactly be what you think or expect or even want. It could look a lot different and it might surprise you. In the process, you might also hear bad advice from people. (laughs) Because like in the case of Job's friends, (laughs) I've definitely experienced that too. The thing is we're all just humans. Everyone in the church is just human and we're all trying to understand the path and to do our best here. Take this into consideration, please, always, 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 whenever you receive advice from anybody, always measure everything, everything, everything against what the Bible says, even what you feel is right, because the Bible says man in his own heart thinks he is right. He thinks he is right, right? How often are you always the right one in any scenario, but the other person's wrong? We always feel that we're right, but we're not always right. (laughs) But you know who is always right? God. And he literally gave us an instruction manual, guys. Open it up. Measure everything said against the word. You will, you will find answers. It might take time. It might take a lot of pressing in. It might take some, it might take God cutting away some things out of your life. That's what he does as, as the sculptor, shaving away little edges and molding us and pressing us and making us uncomfortable. In these uncomfortable times, he, he's using them and they're necessary for us to grow. The silence is uncomfortable. Silence in prayer, silence in reading, when you're not feeling it, but keep pressing in because the answers will come because God is right next to you. With you, listening, loving, and guiding you always. He's not walked away. You have. If you feel he's distant, it's because you've walked away. So go back to him. He's like always right there with his arms open. He is the most loving, forgiving person. Human, not human. Yeah, human and God. <laughs> he, is, he is the most loving, gracious God. <laughs> He's always with us. Always. And he, he doesn't usually answer our whys. You know, at least in my experience, he definitely does not always answer our whys. But, you know, we can trust that he is sovereign and that he will always be with us and that he only wants good for us and he'll be faithful to guide us and will always, always, always create beauty from ashes.